Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus. Bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everyone. This is Tommy Vincent, your host of In Her Words, a Tommy Vincent podcast. And today we have joining us at the table, Pamela Wheeler. Pamela is an accomplished leader with nearly three decades of experience improving diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, which is DEIB, outcomes for employees, clients, partners, and communities. She currently serves as the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at NFP. Pam's work has impacted such organizations as the National Football League, and she is a previous director at the Women's National Basketball Players Association. Pam, welcome to the table. I'm delighted that you are coming to stay a while. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me, Tony. Absolutely. So our very first question, or my very first question that I have for you today, who is Pamela Wheeler. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you just started. I thought you were going to do me a little law <laughs> pass. You, just <laughs> you go right at it. <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I, I always just consider myself um, a blessed little black girl from New Rochelle, New York, um, who had some dreams and was able to fulfill them. Um, you know, I know this podcast is talking about women in sports and um, my father loves to tell the story that I told him when I was five or six years old that I was going to be a sports attorney. I'm really not sure where I got that from. Probably some combination <laughs> of watching Perry Mason and liking sports, but just really feel blessed to have been able to um, fulfill those dreams and really and feel even more blessed to hopefully have made some impact 
along the way. So that's who I am, just somebody who just feels really blessed to be in the space that they're in. Mm -hmm. So I know that you just shared that um, the story about your dad and how he shares how you got on this journey where you are today. Oftentimes, there's these paths that we travel to get to where we are today. And in that path, we may have some experiences that show up that don't look anything like where we are today. So can you share with us a job experience that you had early on that has absolutely nothing to do with DEIB work? So funny, um, I when I went to undergraduate school, I, my dream again was to go to law school. And so I had no indications at all. I, when I was in undergrad, I majored in history and religion. I didn't know anything about finance. I know I, I avoided math classes like the plague. I fulfilled my liberal arts requirements by taking like some <laughs> earth moon classes and some earth science classes. And I ended up getting a job after undergrad in um, working at Chase Manhattan Bank. And at the time, I guess they still have them. It was one of those executive management training programs where they train you for a year and then place you um, somewhere in the organization to become a, a young up-and-coming manager, uh, management or leader in the company. And um, after I graduated the program, I became an officer, which means that I was then a, um, capable of signing for transactions. And I remember it was Labor Day weekend, and I guess I was just excited to get out of there. And um, some of our accountants and some of our administrators had a transaction for $180 million, and I signed it, but then I forgot to sign to make the cash available. So what that meant <laughs> was that on the Labor Day weekend, we had a $180 million overdraft. <laughs> so... <laughs> so you can imagine what it was like when I walked in there Tuesday morning and everyone's standing there looking at me going, you didn't make the cash available and we just had $180 million overdraft and a custody account. Um, so it was, believe me, I, I would have been, any, I wanted to be anyone except me that day. Okay? <laughs> so... <laughs> But I tell you, so so you say a, a trend, you know, a, a job experience that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm doing right now. The, it doesn't have technically anything to do with what I'm doing right now, mm -hmm. but it had a lot to do substantively in the sense that that was the moment in my life when I was like, you got to get the details down. You know, I, I'm so busy up in the sky, oh yeah, I'm signing transactions and I'm trying to, I'm, you know, I'm the assistant treasurer and I'm the relationship manager. And I didn't ask, I didn't ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the details down, you know? So that, that's an experience that has stayed with me. It feels like, it literally feels like that was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Just how impactful that was on the rest of the way I conducted my career and my life. And so, although it's completely outside of what I'm doing, it does, it has had a tremendous impact <laughs> on how I have continued my career. Mm -hmm. So now, now thinking about that, that experience and, and even some other opportunities that came down the pipeline for you before you really started to get into the DEIB work. Do you ever reflect back on those experiences and how your work today 
how it could have impacted those environments and really shifted the work culture there. So a lot of my work started even, um, so after I graduated from um, undergrad, I went to law school and then I, I, that's when I got into the sports industry while, while I was in law school. And then mm -hmm. afterwards, um, after law school, I worked for Bob Wolf Associates. And at that time, I said Bob Wolf was probably like your first mega agent, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of them now, but at the time he was pretty, probably the first, first one. And then it was also the advent of the large one-stop shopping media corporations getting into the sports mm -hmm. industry so that they, so that they were buying up agencies. And so that was the advent of your pro serves, um, your um, David Fox group fame, those types of organizations. And so Arnold Communications actually purchased Bob Wolf Associates. And that's when I moved from strictly the player marketing and player negotiation side to actually sports and entertainment marketing for corporations. And so I was involved in a lot of work with um, helping some banks and um, some other Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies create sports and entertainment marketing packages and pathways. And also part of that was, um, since it was an advertising agency, I was involved in some advertising campaigns and development of them. And I just remember one of my first ones was um, one of my first entrees into that. It was a completely different world for all of us who had been on the sports side to be in this advertising sort of creative space. And I remember being in one of our first meetings. It was for a bank. And what they would do is they would bring different parts of the organization together. So if you were on our side, which was the sports marketing and entertainment side, and then they would bring the creative people together. And they would bring you all together and you would be in a room and you'd watch sort of one of the first uh, commercials that they would put together for this client. And it was a bank and um, it was on the personal, personal line side. So they were talking about the accessibility of getting loans. And they had about five different scenarios because that's how they work. They had like five different ones. They would some would play regionally in different places. And we were all sitting there and they had like five different scenarios. And out of all the five scenarios, the only black people that were involved was a single mother and a child. All the, the other four scenarios were the complete, you know, families, husband, wife, two, two kids and a dog, that sort of thing. And so I was sitting in the room and I remember this being my first actual foray into this work. And I looked around and I said, no one notices anything strange. No one notices anything about the different scenarios. And I was the only person that noticed that the other four scenarios had a complete nuclear family. But the one yeah. with the black people was just a mom and a, and a child. And so that was my, my entree into this work. And so I knew then that I was like, you have to have a voice. And... Um, you know, it's difficult when you're a junior person, you know, so I understand that too, being a junior person mm -hmm. and having a voice, you know, it's hard. You don't want to lose your job. You don't, you don't have, you haven't built up the equity in the company to even say anything. Um, so from that perspective, I think that um, I knew kind of early on that that was going to be a place where I wanted to make an impact. And, you know, sometimes it's easier when early in my career where you are, maybe the only black person, the only black woman. So people are looking to you. 
to have to open up that space. And so I was looking forward to doing it and opening up that space for other people too. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you something, you know, because you called out something that um, it still happens, you know, where you'll see the narrative that's being promoted through the marketing campaigns and it's, it's never the the representation of the black family um can fall flat on the full breast of what breath of what family looks like period you know every every family there are different dynamics in every single family across this globe what do you think happens is is it processing you know, is it because you're looking to speak to a very specific audience? Like, where is the breakdown of why those types of campaigns still are being pushed out from a marketing perspective with all types of products, you know, and in industries? I think it's all about evolution, too, because when mm -hmm. I first started in this walk and this work, diversity was man, woman, black, white. That was pretty much it. We didn't really think of diversity in other ways. Mm -hmm. And so even in the work that I'm doing right now, we're, we're expanding what we even mean by diversity. Diversity is, is, is representation. Mm -hmm. And and we are all inter, you know, we have this interconnectivity and we're multifaceted. When certainly when you look at me and you, obviously we look, we're black women, but we're more than just, you know, we're more than just black women, right? We're moms, Absolutely. we're sisters, we're friends, we're sorority sisters, we're, I'm a lawyer, you know, everyone, you're so many different things and you have so many facets to your, who you are. And I think that it's about evolution and understanding that. And so as you mm -hmm. begin to see now, people understanding that one, we've got to go beyond man, woman, black, white, and understand that people are multifaceted and how do we actually embrace this level of diversity. You know, we're now focusing in a lot on military veterans in a way that we didn't focus on two, you know, two, 10 years ago, five years ago. We're focusing now on LGBTQ community, Asian community, um, neural diversity, di disability community. So I think it's just about evolving and understanding that the, we need to be more inclusive and less exclusive. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So can you, for us, you know, really give us, let me see how to say this, like a, in a, a layman's term definition of um, DEIB so that sometimes it, it's, it's, pre- it's always present and the opportunity to evolve in it is always on the table for all of us. Can you talk about it in a way where everybody can go, oh, okay, now I understand what this work entails and how it shows up in everyday life? So I'm glad you asked that question because a lot of what I do is talk about what is DEIB? What are we even talking about? And I kind of equate it to the old car alarms. Remember how car alarms used to just go off? And people, after a while, just stop listening to them and use this. I think that's what has happened with D, D and I, right? We, I think people have just been using that terminology and have absolutely, one, no idea what it means. Um, and then at a certain point, we just were using it, not really even caring whether we knew what it means. So, and now I think we've evolved. We've, we've evolved from D and, D and I to DEI to DEIB. And so diversity is really representation. It's it's numbers. It's um, who we are. If if you in in basic layman's terms, we can check that box, right? So it's black, white, women. But again, expanding now what we even think about diversity to military veterans, to disabled, to every community that we can think of. So uh, the diversity piece. It, it, think about it in terms of demographics. Equity piece. Uh, inclusion, the I, is valuing that diversity. There's something about having that diversity that's important. I value that. There's a, it's not just the fact that I want women at my organization, but I understand that women bring a different perspective to it. So the I piece is valuing that diversity. The equity piece is actually treating that diversity fairly. So that I'm saying I don't only want women in my organization because I value women, but now I'm going to pay them 
accordingly, right? I'm going to treat them fairly now, right? This is one thing to just say, I value you, but now I'm going to treat you fairly. The belonging piece is now I understand that I've brought you here. You bring value. I may pay you fairly. And now I'm going to empower you to be successful. That's the belonging piece. It's that I'm going to empower you now to not only be the only woman sitting in the leadership meetings and I'll, I'll appease you by paying you a little bit, but I'm also now going to empower you, make you feel like you belong, know that now you can make decisions about the business. You can impact the business. And so I, I often talk a lot about this, the equity piece. I have been fighting for that E for a long time, especially mm -hmm. being the director of the WNB Association. Right? So I was there for 15 years. So I often, I spoke a lot and still do speak a lot about gender equity. And so I usually always start off by asking people, you know, how many of you have heard of the WNBA? And most people, you know, raise their hands. Like I've heard of the WNBA. I'm like, so mm -hmm. what does the WNBA mean to you? And a lot of them will say a lot of different things. It, it means it represents women's empowerment. It represents great social advancement. It represents ways for fathers and daughters to connect in a way that they couldn't connect before. So it has some value to it. That's the, the I piece. And then my next mm -hmm. question is, how many of you have actually purchased a ticket? Right? And not too many hands go up. <laughs> That's the equity piece. So you value it. You think women should be playing basketball. There's, you know, you, you value it. There's important reasons why it should. So that's the inclusion piece. But you haven't made that emotional connection and economic connection. Mm -hmm. You haven't actually put mm -hmm. a dollar to it and actually purchased a ticket. So how do you think this thing is going to be successful right, if you don't actually buy a ticket? So that's the equity yes. piece. It's the same reason why women make, you know, 8% on a dollar and black women in particular make 6 to 7% on a dollar because we're not paying them. I'll bring you into my company, but I'm not going to pay you the same amount. And then mm -hmm. uh, likewise with the belonging piece, uh, I'll bring you in. You can be a member of the board, uh, but we don't necessarily need to hear your ideas. Right? So that's the belonging piece. So I hope that's a, a layman's definition. And I hope that was clear. No, it was, it was very clear. So is this, is this, work culture is this work environment like where what is what is this shifting in corporations for me it's about systems and cultures and um understanding that this deib work has to be systemic and it has to be cultural we have to change the systems and cultures that we operate in first understanding too that the systems need to be changed because they're working the exact way they were designed to work, right? So I think sometimes it makes us feel better if we if we kind of say, well, the, the systems are working this way because they sort of have this disparate impact on the Hispanic community, they have a disparate impact on the Latina community or Hispanic community. And I contend that, no, the systems are working exactly the way they were designed to work. They were designed to keep white straight men in power. Uh, you know, Jim Crow laws didn't have a disparate impact on black people. They were specifically designed to prevent black people from voting. So mm -hmm. we have to understand that we're talking about systemic change and cultural change. Culture is what's being said, to whom it's being said, and when it's being said. And we have to address those things, first being honest with what we're doing, understanding that programs, like my, my daughter would be so offended if she heard me say she's, she's about to turn 16. Um, 
you know, I'm miss me with the programs, you know, miss me with the lunches and, you know, just the straight hundred hundred thousand dollar donation to the NAACP. We're talking about systemic and cultural change that we have to create within organizations. And so when I'm talking about change within my organization, I'm talking about how are we not just where we're where are we recruiting from, but then when we recruit, we got to train our managers to then hire those people. Right. And then once they get into the organization, we have the pathways within the organization to help them be successful and thinking about success differently. That's what DEIB work is all about. But it's about systemic and cultural change for me. Mm -hmm. So to date, what has been for yourself um, something that you consider one of your greatest accomplishments or most memorable in this work? Uh, I think my greatest or the one that I'm most proud of uh, was when I when I started at the WBPA, the players really had nothing. I mean, hence the reason why they, they decided to unionize. Right. They were like, we, 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 we have nothing. Here. We got nothing. I mean, if they had anything, they probably wouldn't have unionized. Right. So um, when I when we first started, they didn't have any guaranteed contracts. They didn't have minimum salaries. There were some players making like $5,000 and some people make $100,000. So they didn't have minimum, uh, no minimum salaries. Uh, they didn't have year-round medical benefits, no uh, group licensing, marketing rights, no medical benefits, no retirement plan, no no maternity benefits. <clears throat> there were no disciplinary guidelines. So they, they were basically operating on their own. And one of the major things that they did not have uh, was that they did not have free agency. So the way that the WNBA was initially established, it was established as a single entity. So the players signed with the league and then were assigned to a team. And so those of us, most people, basic economics, you can figure out, There's then there's no market for player salaries or even player movement at that point. So they weren't able to negotiate with individual teams. They they were able they negotiated with the league and then that was it. So for me, negotiating for free agency for the players. Uh, so even after our first collective bargaining agreement, we were still operating under that same, that initial framework. But when we were able to negotiate for free agency, that was a game changer. Um, and it's not just about money. You know, it's not always about money. It's also about where I want to play. And um, I'm about to retire, so I prefer to be in my home city. Or my skill set would work best with the team in L.A. as a team, as opposed to the team in Chicago. But the players weren't able to do that. And so for me, um, being able to, to walk in that room and to walk out with the executive committee and say, we've got free agency for players now, and players can actually sign any contract with any team and be able to move around at, at their leisure and then create a market, obviously, for their talent was even better. But that, to me, was um, one of the pinnacles of my career. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in the based off of the lesson that you gave us in layman's term, there was. The league started out with diversity because we were bringing some women into a sport, a professional sport that was men based. And then there was inclusion, but it lacked equity and also exactly. belonging. Ah, exactly. yes. Okay. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, 
you know, I'm probably gonna get myself in trouble for saying this, but you know, that's the other that was the also the other dichotomy with with working because when the WNBA was started, it was started by the NBA, right? And so mm-hmm. a lot of the framework that they had was based on and still to this to this day, it's it's some of it is still the same. And it, it has evolved a little bit, but the framework was a framework that would have worked for men, right? But it mm-hmm. didn't work for women. And I remember the first negotiation session that we had, and I said, what are we going to do about maternity benefits? And because this is pretty much the same people on the NBA side who were negotiating for the men, and the same people on our side who negotiated for the men and now the women. Everybody just kind of put their pins down and was like, hmm, guess we need to talk about that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Me, you started yes. a league and didn't think about money. I mean, you know, but so that's what we're talking about. It's like that, you know, Tommy, you framed it perfectly. We're talking about a, a league and, and this the same way that things work out in corporate America, right? We have this framework that we're utilizing for basically white men and we want everyone else to fall into this framework. And we got to understand that this mm-hmm. is about looking at success differently. The framework that you have for men is not going to work for the framework that you have for women. And so there were a number of different areas that impacted that the same way, even the way the way we talked about career development for the WNBA players versus the NBA players, completely different frame, you know, completely different conversation, but the framework in, under which they were operating was what they thought was going to work for the women too. And it just didn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom that you would share with others with this, you know, tall task of shifting and impacting DEIB work? It's um it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? We didn't get here in a day and we're not gonna get out of here in a day, right? So and and when you're talking about systemic and cultural change. Those are some hard conversations. Um, and quite frankly, if people aren't uncomfortable, then we're not, we're not having a hard enough conversation. People need to, you know, the hairs back people's necks need to stand up a little bit. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, it's just long work. You know, it's interesting since 2020, you know, a lot more corporations and, and spaces and nonprofits have hired um, chief diversity officers and diversity uh, people but the lifespan life cycle of a chief diversity officer is only like two to three years because mm -hmm. and primarily it's because of the, i think of the level of frustration that you have that you want to make these want to make this impact you want to make these cultural and systemic change within organizations but organizations while they may say they want to they're not necessarily ready to move and so i think patience and understanding that it's going to take some time to get where we want to get to. But I think if you have the right framework in place and you have the right people making the commitments at the top and everything, I think that it'll work out. But definitely you got to be patient because this is, this is, um, as one of my directors always says, this is heart work, not <laughs> in addition to hard work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move into our next segment. And this segment is I am bringing her to the table with me. And this is your opportunity to give another woman verbal flowers uh, for you know that you would not be where you are in your career without her fingerprint on your journey. Wow. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble here from my mother because she's not famous. But uh, my grandmother, really, um, she was, you know, so I'll, I'll do two people. I'll do some, you know, someone in the in, uh, professional world. But, you know, if it wasn't for my grandmother, I definitely wouldn't be here. Um, she's the one that, very quiet, you know, didn't speak loudly, but walked with a with a big stick. You know what I mean? It's, it's always mm. everything, was, everything about her was God first and everything else will come. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, it, it, and it's funny because when you get older, right, all the, I hope one of these days my daughter will listen to some of the stuff I say, because sometimes I think she doesn't, but <laughs> it's so funny. The, the things you think about when you're in meetings or you're about to say something, and I often will hear my grandma say, be careful what you say, treat people the way you want to be treated. Don't, you know, and, I, and it, it, it comes up. Every now and then, and it seems like it comes up even more now that the older I get, the more it comes up. Um, mm -hmm. But so I, she's passed on, but I wanted to, I always give her her flowers because that was my girl. So 
I have to give her her flowers, <laughs> and she was just wonderful. Was, I, and I and I know I wouldn't be, you know, the person that I am. And she always would be like, "Yeah, you deserve whatever you get. You're a good person," you know, things like that. Um, but professionally, and you know, I never met the woman I'm about to say, um, Anita Defront. But when you were coming up in my era, there were only about three black women in sports when I graduated from when I graduated from undergrad, I graduated in eighty nine and then I graduated from law school in ninety five. And uh it was Elaine Weddington Stewart. She was the assistant general manager at um at the Boston Red Sox. And Anita DeFrance. And um, there was a, a woman at the, her name is escaping me. She was the chief of staff at the USOC. And those were the only three black women that I can recall um, that I know were in the sports industry at that time. And um, Anita DeFrance, I don't know if she knows the impact that she has had on young black women and women of color at that time who were aspiring to go into sports because she she was present and you could always tell her authority. She always um, present, presented herself as someone who was authoritative, who was collaborative, um, who knew how to navigate the, not only the sports Olympic movement, but just sports in general. And she, she has had a tremendous impact on my career and my ability to feel like I could do this in a way. And like I said, I've, I've never met her. <laughs> so I don't, you know, I don't even know, you know, she probably doesn't even know who I am. But, um, yeah, but the fact that she had such a tremendous impact, and I would guess if you were to interview, you know, women of my age who are now in sports or went into sports, I would imagine that probably 75 to 90% of the people would say, that she probably had a lot more influence on their career path than she probably realizes. Mm. Thank you for bringing those ladies to the table. And now we'll go into our final segment, which is food is love. And my first question for you is what food best describes your personality and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a particular food that describes my personality as much as a course. Um, and I may be in mode because um, my daughter's Sweet 16 party was Sunday. So, um, but my favorite, my favorite time or course is the cocktail hour. <laughs> That's my favorite, <laughs> you know, small bites, but having a really good time. And they're usually all very good. Right. So that, that kind of describes me. And I also, I'm, I'm an entertainer. Um, my mother is a caterer. My, both my grandmothers, every time they were Southern women. So every time you came over, you had to eat the entire time you were there. So for me, people aren't happy unless they're eating. Right. My grandmothers would be like, let's eat breakfast. 20 minutes later, it's time for lunch. We're like, we just ate. You know, so we just ate. Why are we doing this? But for me, it's about, um, I'm a big entertainer. So my house is kind of like entertainment center, so, which is why COVID is, you know, killing me. Um, but yes, I think my favorite course, if you will, are the is the happy hour 
because I'm an entertainer. I think that describes me. I love small. I love to see people happy while they're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and the food usually during a happy hour is usually better than the meal. If when you think about it, most <laughs> places you've gone, you're like, don't miss the happy hour, right? Because the, the hors d'oeuvres are usually better than the than the full on dinner. <laughs> Has food ever been healing for you? Oh yes, yes. It oh it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. I love I love to cook, and like I said, my house is kind of like party central, and um, I like to see people enjoying good food. Um, I like to have people come over and say, "Oh, I didn't know we, we this is something new. Oh, I've never had that before. Wow, this is you know." So I like to to do that, and I like to make what people like. You know, one of my um, line sisters. She, um, she's always like, you know, I sure am in the mood for this. And next thing you know, I'm making it and I'll call her. She's like, oh, okay. I'll be right over. I'm like, you knew I was going to make it. (laughs) Come on over, you know? So my, my sorority sisters are always over here and we, um, my husband has kind of like a little man cave in the basement. So we watch football on Sundays and we just eat all day. So I just like to have, I like for people to come over and have a good time and feel like this is home. Um, I use before COVID, we have a pretty big um, Super Bowl party. And um, I, I felt so good a few years ago. One of my friends wasn't able to make it, but she's like, my son wants to know, can he come? Because <laughs> he's like, can I just go to Miss Pam's even if y'all can't come? And I was like, of course he can come. But he was the first person here, you know, so that just made me feel good that he felt like this was some place that was home for him, even if his parents weren't here. Mm-hmm. Does your family have an heirloom recipe that is passed down from generation to generation? Um, well, we have a couple, unfortunately, um, my grandmother's pound cake, no one has been able to replicate that. And Mm -hmm. everyone, every, all of our friends are like, how did you let, how did you let her leave here without anyone knowing how to replicate that pound cake? So her pound cake was absolutely fabulous. No one can make it. My aunt, one of my mother's sisters has gotten close, but we just haven't (laughs) been able to replicate, no one's been able to replicate that one. And um, so that was our, our one dish that everyone's like, gosh, how did, how did y'all let that, that one get away? And so unfortunately that one has to stop <laughs> at this generation because none of us can figure it out. Unless somebody figures it out. Unless someone figures it out. And like I said, my mom, one of my mother's sisters has gotten close but this when she there's still like this like line or something We're like what is that that you're that's happening here so it looks like like a butter line or something is not happening <clears throat> so we can't we can't figure it out and you know i don't i don't eat those other chitlin things and everybody's like somebody better figure out how to make those my mother at this point is the only one that can make those i'm like well y'all better figure that out because i'm not doing that I don't care if that one dies. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll do without that one, mm -mm, mm y'all. 
Well, Pam, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and I'm so glad that you were able to come and stay a while with me at the In Her Words table. How can people stay connected with you? I'm, I don't really, I want to tell everyone, you can follow up with me on LinkedIn. That's a great place. Mm-hmm. But be patient with me because sometimes I don't necessarily respond quickly. Uh, but if you reach out to me on LinkedIn, I try my best to um, connect with people. And I really also, you know, I do try to connect with young people who want to get into the industry. Um, I also mm-hmm. still teach, at, I still teach at Columbia. I teach in the graduate sports management program. So I really like to stay connected to young people who want to get into this business and give them some advice about how to do it because people helped me out along the way, you know, so I want to make sure that I'm doing that. So you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just give me a minute to respond. Okay. (laughs) Understood loud and clear. Well, thank you so much. And just know that you're welcome at the table anytime. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it, Tommy. And please, anytime you invite me back, I'll be here. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.